Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. the daily financial news this morning, you know that identified that there's $2.8 trillion in commercial loans outstanding. You also heard that $2.2 trillion, or roughly 80% of that, is due to be refied or recast in the, before 2027. You, of course, heard Janet Yellen say silly things like this uh, won't uh, fester and grow. She said the bank system's strong. We've all heard this stuff before. Well, let's get into the news. We've got New York Bank Corp who reported a couple of commercial loans taking significant write-offs. You've obviously seen what happened with that stock. I thought we should talk to somebody in the business, somebody who's been in the business for a long time, somebody who was not, not buying during the craziness because he couldn't make deals work. I think we are really starting to see the pain come through, Jonathan. I'm hearing more and more directly from people in my network about people losing apartment buildings, about LPs losing real cold, hard cash. So I think we should talk about it. I think commercial banking system, right? Smaller banks, uh, which hold roughly 80% of the 2.7 or 2.8 trillion. I don't know how there's not significant pain coming um, down the pipeline because that's a massive number. And it's much of it's got to be dealt with in the next two, three years. So what says Jonathan? Yeah. Also, listen, there's, I read something very scary on this score, which is that, you know, for big banks, something like 27% of their balance sheets are represented by real estate, but for small banks, it's like 40%, which, I mean, which if you you think about it, it makes sense. Like what else are they going to loan on these Mm -hmm. small local and regional banks? Like they're, Right. They're, they're lending against real estate, which they view as being very stable and very mm-hmm. safe, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, and of course, they couldn't help but get caught up in the thing everything everyone else is caught up in, like, hey, prices are going up. You know, we're going to get paid back. I don't know to what ex- you know how much exposure they had to floating rate debt uh, as opposed to fixed rate debt. The, at least the local bankers that I've been talking mm-hmm. to tend to yeah. just talk about fixed rate debt. I haven't Me heard too. them talk Me about too. so they perhaps they're slightly sheltered from this issue as long as um and they also tend to go in at lower LTVs than the bigger banks. Yeah. So, that's true. So there may be a little bit of cushion there. Nevertheless, the fact that they're 40% exposed is is certainly something to worry about. And I think uh you know the banks with some exposure to a lot of office, you know, that those are the, I think the banks that are really, you know, the banks that have a lot of exposure to office, have a lot of exposure just to Sunbelt multifamily with fixed rate with, sorry, with floating rate debt. Um, those are the, the, the banks that. Well, you know, well, let's play with this. Cause I think it's all bad. I mean, I don't mean to be yeah. flippant, but I mean, you, you know this, but for the audience, right. Let's say they are conservative. What 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 would be conservative? Seventy percent LTV, sixty five percent. What what would you think is conservative? Yeah, I mean, I think that that 
65, 60 to 65%, I would okay. say is conservative. So let's let's call it 65. Yeah. yeah, 70, 75 is sort of moderately conservative. Yeah. Um, 75, you know, so 70 is like moderately, moderately conservative. Once you're getting up to 80, I think that's pretty uh, aggressive, yeah. but you pretty don't really see that very much. Yeah. So let's talk about it. Let's just assume for a minute, you know, that the average blended rate of 2.8 trillion is 65% LTV. We're just, we're just going to make yeah. this up for a moment. And let's assume it's all five years, right? It, it, there's no floating rent. There's none of this. It's just, it, it'll come due when the five years rolls over. You know, we, you, you know, this, we've seen cap rates go from four to six, yep. you know, and simply said, that's a 50% jump, right? From four to six. Uh, even, even if you've had NOI growth, it's hard to grow into that. So yep. it's not unheard of for a building to be worth just in simple math, 35% less. Yeah. So if you have $2 trillion and what would that be? That'd be 35%. So that'd be $700 billion in equity at the time of loan origination that is suddenly wiped out at the term date. There's a couple of things in that. Equity loses, equity gone. The banks actually aren't in that bad of shape. Right. Their debt is roughly speaking the value of the asset at that point. Now they're not in the business of owning and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, banks might be okay in that scenario. You know, they're going to take, you know, four, five, 7% haircuts on this, that, the other, but it's not, it's not the equity, which goes to zero. Does, does yeah. that math play up? Well, yeah, I think so. I, I, I think it does. I mean, because what I've been reading recently is that the, yeah, this sounds, I mean, this is terrible from the equity perspective, but from the, the banking perspective, well, this is why they lend the way they do. Mm -hmm. the, 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 right now, the value of those assets is about equivalent to the value of the debt on those exactly. assets. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, so which now the issue is, can they get refinanced? No. Right. Because no, they're not. But they can they, get sold. They and can then get take... sold. Yes. They can get sold for that value and the banks can be made whole. So if that's what you're looking at, then you say, well, okay, no bank, no overall banking crisis, yeah. but certainly yeah. a lot of banks in pain and, and maybe some yeah. banks that are overly concentrated have a real issue. Right. Yeah. So, but if you just look at the asset class as a whole, then yeah, the banks are, are going to be okay, but the, um, but equity. the, the oh. equity is going to be wiped out. Now, another thing I've read though, I think it was Jay Parsons who might've said that this that and I, and and I could be wrong about this, so don't yell at me mm -hmm. if if this is wrong. Um, but I I, I remember reading someplace actually that overall the market is about fifty three percent equity, meaning that a lot of buildings with long term holds have built up a lot of equity. It wasn't that everybody refinanced up to the limit as soon as they could. Right. So there's a lot yeah. of there's a, there's a lot of built up equity in in commercial property. And yeah. obviously equity has taken a hit, but that suggests that uh, on the whole. Yeah. So I, I read that yeah. article and I think it yeah. was Jay. And yeah. there's a little bit of twist in this, because, again, I'm really worried about the equity, especially, you know, you and I play in a space where a lot of people got excited the last let's call it five years, four or five years. Yeah. And kind of a twist on that 53 percent equity is that's total 
Yeah. But if you were to step back and just look at deals done, either purchases or refis in the last four or five years. Oh yeah. Well, that's uh, a whole different it's, story. That's yeah. it. It's, yeah, and, and that's the stuff that's going to yeah. be a problem. Yeah. Well, that's the stuff that's going to be a problem and it's going to be a problem in a couple of ways. Right. Um, and, and you have to look at this as an opportunity or as a big problem, you know, depending on your perspective. But if you're that, in the deal, it's a problem. If you're a buyer, it's an opportunity. <laughs> well, yes and no, though, because a lot. Oh, so okay. I was ta I was talking about this with some of my other syndicator friends mm -hmm. last week. And, you know, one, one issue that we've identified is that so many LPs came into the, got pulled, sucked into the market in the last couple of years, or let's say the last couple of years of the of the bubble mm -hmm. right and a lot of them sort of you know quote unquote diversified by investing in multiple deals yeah right those yeah. people are going to get a lot of them are going to get wiped out and they will never come never back. they will never come back right they will they will live the rest of their lives with the trauma of having invested in these deals and they will never invest again and Absolutely. so so what that means as a syndicator is it's going to be really hard to raise money for a long time. And and then that's going to further depress the price of, of real estate. Right? That's, so all I, that's all I'm hearing you say is prices are going down, man. That's yeah. all I keep hearing you say. And, I, so and if you know you what? Have, that's okay by me. Right. So if you're sitting on cash, it's great, right? Or if you have investors who either haven't been burned or they realize like, hey, market goes up, market goes down. You got to be in it for the long run. Right. And just, you know, if you got people with that kind of perspective on your investor list, then you'll be all right. But if you're dealing with a lot of investors who have who have gotten burned, then and and frankly, like this, this just makes me sad. There are investors out there who bought, got, got uh, swayed by this bonus depreciation oh. thing. Right. Yes. They're yes. going to have they took all this bonus depreciation in year one. And they're going to lose all their equity and they're still going to owe the recapture the tax, tax. right? Yeah. So they're not only are they, are they out their equity, but they're going to be on the hook for a big tax bill. Right. And yeah, once the building retrades, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, and you know, the thing that. Yeah. That, lose that, twice. Oh yeah. Man. And, and Ouch. so many, so many. So many syndicators are out there selling the tax because, you know, listen, they sell what works, right? Everybody loves to save money on taxes, but a lot of people just didn't really understand what, what the implications were, or they just say, well, it's not going to happen. Real estate's not going to go down. Multifamily can't go down. It hasn't gone down in the five years since I've been in the business. So it can't yeah. go down. Right. So my buddy made a million bucks in seven weeks. I, uh, so can I, uh, whatever. Yeah, exactly. So um, they just didn't, contemplate you know they, they were very aggressive about yeah. you know sort of like using these tax strategies which really are the tax strategies for very sophisticated players and right? very long-term players very long-term very sophisticated and very deep-pocketed players right yes. so yes. so so for for like family offices that own hundreds of buildings and they're constantly you know they're trading in and out of these properties and they're and they're uh, and tax strategy is a lot of what they're doing right and they're they're you know buying they're selling a property and then they have all the recapture tax and then they're buying one to do the cost set i mean th that's like how these big players manage yeah. their money but when you're an l an lp right and you're you got a job and you're not thinking about 
managing like you don't have somebody whose job it is in your family office to do nothing other than worry about the ta tax implications of what you're doing these mm -hmm. tax strategies can really come to bite you in the ass and yes. it's it's just irresponsible for people to have gone around touting these things as like the 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 tax strategy for every man it just doesn't it doesn't work, work. i mean I, I've been screaming for a while, and thankfully we've got receipts we can go back to that that um, the financial engineers, which I think a lot of the last two or three years were, are going to end up crushing people because they weren't operators. They weren't really in the business. They were chasing easy. Yes. And yeah. real estate's never easy. Yeah. It's so and funny. It, was, it makes me sick. I was thinking about exactly this point today that, that you know, people, they're so... There, there are a bunch of people on LinkedIn who have recently been posting about um, sort of pushing back against the narrative of like interest rates have to go down, right? And <laughs> saying like, like you know, oh, well, interest rates don't have to go down. Prices can go down too, right? And the, and the, the people who are saying, oh, interest rates have to go down are the people who need interest rates to go down. And that led me to the thought uh, that you know, in the last few years, so many people got into the business <clears throat> who were just making bets, right? It's it's all they were doing. They were not operators. They didn't no. really they didn't really understand the, the the whole idea of value, right? It was all just buy it and then sell it to the next guy. It was all the the greater fool. It was the whole exactly. The whole, it was all the greater fool theory of investing, right? Except they didn't realize it. They thought that they were doing something, you know, they called it conservative, but they didn't know what that meant. <clears throat> and and as a result of that, you know, you have all these people who like, you know, need interest rates to go down to bail them out, but they need the casino market to come back to bail them it, out. And and you've and you've got and it's you've got and, and and at the same time, you know. So now there's a whole other group of people on LinkedIn who are posting about like how as an LP, you have to understand all these different things, right? <laughs> understand, you have to understand this and that. And, and like, you have to become like a, essentially a real estate analyst. Like, and this is yeah. like going completely to my mind, like way out in left field. Like that's not the point of being an LP. No, the point exactly. of being an LP is no. that you're supposed to be able to trust the person you're investing with. It's supposed to be, for you, it's supposed to be easy and boring because the person you're investing with knows what they're doing. Right. You're not supposed to, you don't, the whole point is that you're not supposed to be a real estate analyst. It's like investing yeah. in. If I wanted in a, to do that. I would do it. Yeah. Right. It's like investing in a mutual fund. You're not supposed to be a stock picking expert. You're supposed to tr put your money with, that's why they're earning the fee, right? Because right. they're doing the work. And so now I've got people out there who are, it's, you know, I guess it makes them look good or whatever to go out and say, oh, ULPs should be the experts in real estate now. Well, if they are, then what what on earth does the syndicator get a fee for, right? Yeah. And exactly. if they're not the experts, and it should be easy and boring for the LPs, right? Because the, the syndicator should know what they're doing. And it just so, but this whole casino market of the last, you know, I, five yeah. years in particular, but really the whole last cycle, I mean, I... I was already in 2016 feeling like this market Ooh. has, has, yeah. has, uh, you know, what's the word? Um, 
it's gotten too pricey. I mean, literally, yeah. like in 2016, I thought I can't compete with these people, and and I had no idea that the market was going to continue to climb yeah, for, for eight four, years. Yeah, for yeah, four, well, for four years, and then explode like the next year after that, right? But it went on for for too long, it did. and people got complacent, right? So yeah, I think the amount of wealth destruction. I mean, just going through that rough math we did. It, it it could tune into the tune of 500 to 700 billion in equity. Yeah. And again, I want people to hear this. That's before the banks are impaired. Yeah. Right? That's before the banks. And it's the you know, the cakes in the oven. There's very a, a couple of, you know, a couple of quarter point rate cuts ain't going to affect that. Yeah. Yeah. That right? it's just not yeah, I mean that's the thing too. I mean, there, there, there's so much hype about rate cuts. You know, people are posting about you know the the Fed's going to start cutting. The Fed's going to start cutting. Well, so what? Like it's yeah. it'll 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 so, affect. I mean, on the it, edges. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'll affect things on the margins, but it is not going to save the deals that were bought at the top of the market with floating rate debt, and you know at a high leverage, right? And probably. Frankly, some of those have like pref equity on top of that too, right? Wow. So they're they're those LPs are not ever going to see a dime again, and no, they're done. It it they're done. So and they're going to have the tax it for your point, and they're going to have the tax it. And it's just I I feel terrible about this. I mean, there's a lot of people who just believe that this was going to be a safe thing to invest in, and and they ran into yeah. some very good marketers. Easy and, money and safe. That's just a that's just a bad yeah. combination. It's bad. So yeah. I want I want to try to put this on a scale of one to ten. Ten is max pain. I don't think there's. I don't think we're anywhere close to that. I am like I said. You and I have been talking about this for at least a year. It started to hit real deal in other publications about six months ago. They're actually putting pictures of people who had deals oh, yeah. in trouble. I, mean, I know some of those guys. I know some of those guys too. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's, I've interviewed some of those people on my podcast, right? Oh, wow. You know? Well, I tell you what, the whole time I was interviewing those guys on my podcast, I was thinking, what's the matter with me? Like, why can't, <laughs> why, why can't, can't I, I do this? this? Yeah. Why can't I do this many deals? How are they finding deals at work? If you know, they're buying 12 deals a year, like I can't even find one. What's the matter with me? I must be, a, I must be a moron. I literally, that's what, that's what's going through I'm my sure. mind. I, I could have thought I would have. Yeah. 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 So, well, what what special sauce do they do? I need to buy, hire an analyst to find these deals for me. Like, what's you know? Yeah. So, so. the answer is they're overpaying and using uh, free money, uh, yeah. and now they're going to lose it all. That's that's what's or most of it. Um, so zero to ten, ten being max pain. A year ago, you and I were kind of calling, "Hey, this is going to get nutty. This is going to be an eight or nine eventually." But people were probably thinking we're chicken little because we were early. It's now hitting the press. To me, I think a lot of people want this time to be the 10. Oh, yeah, I think we're still at a three. Like yeah, it's was, a two or a three. That's the number I was going to pick as a three. I think we're just really early into this. Oh, I it's don't think still way. And I like it because yeah. I'm here. I'm hearing people call me both LPs and GPs. I know some people losing buildings. Yeah. And frankly, they should. I, I told them this was a bad deal whenever they inked them a couple of years ago. I'm like, I'm not going to invest in this deal because it's you know, anyways, bad idea. Yeah. And they're acting like this is Max Payne. And I'm like, it's it's this is this is just the beginning. 
Yeah. Right. So we've gone from a zero to a two or three. So that just means a lot more pain coming. But I want to go to the other side. As two guys who got out early, as two guys who sold buildings early and admittedly lost money because it, things exploded, I still feel it was the right decision. Well, I didn't lose money, lost opportunity. Lost right? opportunity. I, you yeah. know, I look at that as still lost money. It's just how I wired. Right? Losing a million bucks because I sold early still hurts. Um, yeah, it still hurts, but, but you did. But you're, still not out of pocket, but you're not out of true. pocket, right? True. I'm not out of pocket. I'm not out of pocket. That's true. But I'm actually looking at the situation. Going back to our earlier example, right? Two trillion dollars, seven hundred billion wiped out. One point three. So now, if it's one point three value, yeah, I can buy them probably at one point two because the bank will give discounts, right, to get out. I'm going to have to bring in probably forty percent for the banks to be comfortable again. So what's that? 1.248. So it's 480 million or billion dollars have to come in. And then all of a sudden you have a really safe asset. You have an asset that is yeah. LTV about 42% of the first purchase price. So that is yeah. remarkably safe. That's yeah. that's going to be uh, fun. I mean that's 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 how it works, right? And yeah, that, and, exactly. that, and so and so and listen, so uh, you know, I've been hearing for since at least 2019 about all the dry powder that's going to step in the minute multifamily drops by 10% because oh multifamily is such a good deal and all that and boy they're going to jump on a chance to get a 10% discount and that's going to keep the multifamily market high forever and there are some very prominent people who are running around saying this publicly you know and I wish I had the recordings but they're out there Right. Oh yeah. And I just don't have them personally, but I those recordings are out there, and and I've been arguing all along that that dry powder is on the sidelines for a reason because it wants general it wants generation generational once in a life you know, once in a generation that opportunity. Is exactly. Right. That's where we're going. That that was yeah. my that was where I was trying to go because I think we are going to see the greatest wealth destruction. Yeah. In my investing career. And and. That's coming. And, and the that greatest, means the greatest opportunity. That's right. The, and the greatest the wealth and creation, right? And the, th exactly. and, the thing is, and the way that this always works, it worked, it worked. This is how what happened in the great financial crisis. It's going to happen again. The when the bubble pops, this is a transfer of wealth from small to big, right? This is a transfer of wealth from this because the small investors are the ones who get pulled in at the top of the market. Yeah. from all the hype because they see everything you know they're cautious 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 in the beginning when there's a crash i mean i've got to bring back my mar my market psychology of psy yeah, we, we should do, yeah, yeah we should because because uh, or psychology cycle with cycle with a cycle right that's sorry i yeah, got yeah. it mixed up the market psychology uh maybe i'll do that on a pod you know one of our shows in the in sure. coming weeks but the 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 cycle the the investor psychology cycle is when there's a big crash, even if they weren't in the market, and I think it's going to be worse this time because so many people were in the market, right? Oh, Usually it's, it's just it's people. It is always worse the next time because people yeah. get sucked in. Right. It's like a magnet. So, and, oh, yeah. I, so, I, I, dude, I remember so, 2019. I'm presenting yeah. in front of a real estate meetup. I'm a buy and hold residential guy, right? Hey, I'm a one rental at a time guy. And 50% of the room when I do Q&A, are brand new syndicators who yeah. own no real estate. I'm like, this is going to blow up. Yeah. So here's the cycle, right? The cycle is there's a crash, right? 
all of the small investors who are sitting on the sidelines, right? They look at the crash and they're like, oh my God, real estate is really dangerous. I can't invest in that. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. That's right? terrible. Yeah. That's terrible. That's a bad idea, right? And this isn't just real estate. This happens with every market. It happens Everything. with stocks. It happens yeah. with... They, so people sitting on the sidelines see a crash and like, oh my God, I can't invest. I might lose my money, right? The smart people, you know, the smart money jumps in at that point because they see they see bargains and they, and they know... Well, I want to make one little caveat. The smart money's on the sidelines at that point. And well, you and I, you and I were public, like we're out. We're yeah, not playing. No, here. no. But I'm talking about after the crash, right? No, so I agree. At, when okay, it bottoms yeah, out, yeah, yeah. right? So okay, got it. Yep. So they'll they're gonna the smart money is out until they start seeing some shoots of recovery, right? So they know right. that the bottom is in, right? And and they know that it's not a false bottom, it's a real bottom, right? So maybe they bought they bought a little bit at the false bottom because they know it's still you're still getting a big discount over previous pricing, but they're when it, when they feel secure that the real bottom is in, that's when they start piling in. Right? Oh, then they go that, ham. Yeah. That's the dry powder coming in right there. And then what happens is over time, you see trading activity, trading activity, and the market goes higher and higher and higher. And those early those early entrants start selling and taking profits, right? Mm -hmm. And so people on the sidelines see the profit and they're like, "Oh, I got to get in on this." And then as each cycle, as this as this goes up and up and up, and more people who got in earlier trading out and taking chips off the table and, and people are seeing how much money they made. The psychology of, of a lot of investors or most investors is, Oh my God, I got to get in, get in on this before it's too late. Problem is it already is too late. Yeah, right. And they get, they get sucked in at the very top and the higher the market goes, the more people who are on the sidelines, their FOMO just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds until they jump into. And that that's the point where there's a crash. And then what happens is it's all of those little guys who buy at the top who then get wiped out. And when they get wiped out, then the big guys come in at the bottom and they buy and this whole, the whole thing starts all over again. So there's this like constant cyclical, you know, essentially transfer of wealth from poor to rich that happens in every one of these cycles. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and we're going to see that again, we're going to see all yeah. the, all the LPs, not they're necessarily poor, but I mean, they're not, they're not yeah. the big fish, right? And they're getting their equity is getting wiped out. And this this dry powder, right? This is very patient capital. That's why it's on the sidelines. That's why it's not yeah. waiting for 10% discounts. No. It's waiting for 30, 40, 50% well, discounts. That's exactly right? what I was thinking, right? Because if you want to get me to commit significant capital in this space in my markets, I'm going to want to buy something for roughly 50% off peak pricing. Yeah. Because I'm going to have to get high, you know, I'm going to have to get a 60% LTV, right? So you're going to take significant chunks of capital. But if I can buy something at 50% off peak pricing and then go get a 60% loan, I mean, that's your debt structure is going to be 30% of previous pricing. Right. You're going to, right. I'll be able to hold that forever. Yeah, exactly. And you can, you can even re, I mean, you can safely refinance that. At some right? point. Yes. At some point, right? Like in the middle of the market cycle, because you know, there's still room to run. Right. But but the but the the problem is like that the greed, but it's because you're not greedy, right? You're 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 in this for the long term. The the yeah. problem is that the greed as the sorry, as the market climbs, the greed grows, right? And it as does. the greed grows, then the, the the margin of safety gets thinner and thinner and thinner, and people start doing riskier and riskier stuff. The irony of all of this is that as as the market is climbing and people are getting more and more greedy and the margins are getting thinner and thinner and the the margin of safety is getting is basically zero. 
that's when people think it's safe, right? Because, yeah, because everybody's in. Because everybody else is doing it. They think, oh, everyone else is doing it, so it must oh, be safe. And yeah. that's that's the riskiest time to do it. That's why, you know, the Joe Kennedy shoeshine boy example yeah. is that, like, or your example of going to a meetup and everybody is a syndicator oh. or 10 years ago, or I guess longer ago than that, everybody was a house flipper, yep. right? When, when everybody is doing it, that's the that's, most risky that's, time. That is the whole, but, that, that is the reason I still accept invitations to speak is I want to know what the audience is doing. Yeah. When the audience is chasing one fad, I don't care what it is. I am out. I am just like out. That's why I do it. And that meeting in 19, I still remember. I remember exactly where it was in San Jose, California. There was, you know, in that room, there was probably 80 people. There was prop those, those folks are all tech workers. So they all have stock and all this. There was probably 200 million bucks mm. of dry powder in that room. They were all trading, you know, they were all talk, dude, they were talking about markets they'd never been to. Never yeah. couldn't tell me a stat about. I'm like, oh my God, this is just not in well. Real estate is not this easy. Yeah. And, you know, truth be told, a couple of them probably made some money because this was 19. So if they bought oh, yeah. early enough and they got out in 22, they're probably okay. And they probably made a print. They probably printed money. The, but that's the, not how psychology works. They made money once and they doubled down. They went that's again. Exactly, yeah. There was Boom. there was none of the people who bought in 19 and sold in 2022 took the chips off the table. No, well, they I, doubled just, down. Yeah, they went, they they did a 1031, right? Oh God. And this just reminds me of like, you know, it's so funny, like the whole intervening time, like you know, from like 2019 when I had basically like the 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 biggest Facebook group for multifamily on Facebook and and everybody else hadn't followed my lead, right? So when we were having all these amazing discussions in that group and I was telling people, and people were like, you got a 1030. First of all, there was a, you have to have every single penny invested, right? Because somehow yeah. some, yeah. I don't know, some cash is trash, cash is trash. Ray Dalio said cash is trash. And I, and I would say to them, cash is not trash. Cash is an option on opportunity, right? Absolutely. Cash is an option. It is not trash. It is, it is a valuable asset. I don't care if you've got inflation, right? Because, and at that point when inflation was 2% and people were saying, oh, but you've got inflation. I was like, okay, let's, let's scenario play this out. Let's say you sell now, you put the money in the bank, right? You lose, you wait two years for a good opportunity and you lose 4% of your money, but you're able to buy the property at a 20% discount, which, where are you better which off? Were you, you better off yeah. were you better off leaving your money in the deal and losing 20% or were you better off gaining 16% by, by, you know, netting 16% because you lost 4% to inflation and you got 16%, which is better, right? Oh no, you got to have every penny invested because of inflation, even with high inflation, Look what happened. These people, we, these people had not seen a cycle. That's we actually that's had, the problem. We had this scenario, we, Michael. We had this exact scenario. High in, people were calling it hyperinflation. It was not hyperinflation. It no, was, it, was it, hyper, was, it was high. It was six, seven percent. That's not hyperinflation, right? So let's say that went on for two years, right? Sure. You lose fourteen percent, but you're you've now lost all your equity, right? Which would you rather have? You rather have your equity minus fourteen percent or lose all your equity, right? 100% loss is a lot worse than a 14% loss. Plus, you would have that money now to put into deals when they're trading at a huge discount, right? 
but everybody's like, no, 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 you got to save on the taxes. You got to do 1031. You got it's like, no, that, that's, that's exactly right. Everybody, everybody in that meeting who won yeah. did it again. They stayed in. It was, a, it was a classic gambler's dilemma or whatever, right? You got a hot, you're hot, you're hot. Yeah. So what do you do? You take, you, instead of a hundred dollar bets, you're doing 200 or you go to a thousand or whatever it is. And the longer you stay in a casino, the bigger the chances you're going to get your head cut off. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, about 1031, right? I, I've argued about 1031 for a long time. I, my, my view on 1031 is that 1031 is a great tool, right? But you, you use 1031 to, when you have a really long-term hold, you've been holding on to something yeah. for years. It has a lot, maybe you've taken out some money. You've been holding yep. on to it for a long time. You have a lot of built up equity. You want to, release that equity when it's a good time to trade up and buy something better. Right. So yeah. really kind of at the bottom of the cycle. Right. And people yeah, are like, Oh no, you're not going to maximize. So what it's not, that's not, that's yeah. not the way you use it. You're, yeah. you're basically, okay. You, maybe you took a little bit of a hit because the, you know, a hit in the, in the Michael Zuber sense of like, oh, I lost money because I didn't sell for more money. Yeah. I sold for less money, but you made money on the deal. Right. You're right. You're right. You made money on the deal. Your equity has grown. Now you can go buy a bigger and better property for that tax yeah. tax free yeah. because you're you're moving at like when the buying is good, right? No, you're right. Not at the top of the market where you're like doubling down essentially on your bet. Right. No, I agree. And that is but everybody was like doubling down on the bet. Oh, we got to sell now because it's the top of the market, you can get the best pricing. Oh, I'm gonna 1031 into something better. And it's like, yeah, but what about the market cycle? Oh, well, there is no market cycle in real yeah. estate. Um, you know, what? It, they abolished so, it. The Fed, the Fed yeah, won't they, let it. Oh, that was the other one. The Fed won't the let, Fed it won't let it happen. The Fed won't let it happen, right? That's crazy. So, let's, won't so let, yeah, real let's estate play fall. this out. Um, this is what I think. Because again, I've been an accredited investor. I've been one for well over a decade. I've been seeing deals like this for well over a decade. This is how I personally look at my opportunities. I want to see if you agree or disagree. First, I look at the investor, the GP, right? Second, I look at the market or the asset or both, right? The asset class. Do I want to be in those? And then the last thing I look at is the deal. I think too many people do it the other way. They look at the deal, the IRR, the whatever, the whatever, then the market, then the, the GP. Um, so I go GP asset slash market then deal. How's that feel? Yeah, I might flip the top too. I mean, if like maybe this is an asset I don't want to be in, I don't care about the GP. Oh, but okay. you know, but assuming that it's that it's uh, an asset you want to be in, then yeah, who is this person? And then how good is the deal, right? So it's and I think you know you're right. I think a lot of people didn't. They they the GP was somebody they knew from you know a podcast. Right. right or, or the, oh, I, I forget who said this the bigger the name the lower the deal i did see that the other day yeah the bigger the I name forget. like the yeah. worse the deal or something i forget yeah. I, yeah, the lower I the return that. for sure yeah, yeah well listen the i mean name, the lower the listen return. you know buddy you know uncle g right that's the the classic example of that right he was able to raise money really cheaply yeah. because he was very famous and had a huge following and could didn't have to pay people money because yeah. I mean, this is just more market psychology stuff. Like you, yeah. 
it's like, you know, it's fun. I don't know. I don't know how deep we want to go on psychology and I'm not a psychologist, but there seems to be like repetition kind of breeds trust. Like you see somebody right. enough and you're, you just sort of trust them and then you don't really dig into the details. Right. And I think in the old days when it was like, when they used to call syndications country club deals, uh-huh. right. Like you actually knew the guy, right. Yeah. Cause you golfed with him. Right. Like yeah. you knew his family, like you knew, like you, you, had a good sense of who, and you also like, we're hearing from your friends like, Oh yeah, this guy, I've been investing with this guy for years. He's always makes money. Yeah. He's never, you know, or, or you could hear he cheats at golf. So don't, uh, don't invest right. with him because exactly. how you do yeah. one thing is how you do everything. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. But the problem is when you then go, when you go and that, that relationship is attenuated. Right. And it's, and it's just, Oh, well, you see the guy, you know, you know, him because he, he's the guy who jumps into a stadium in a parachute. Right. And oh, therefore he must, he's really rich. So he must be successful and he must be good at what he does. Right. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. I mean, you know, well, again, I think, I think if you look at uncle G, he is amazing at what he does. Yeah. And then he stacks cash and buys assets. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know anything about his deals. I'm not in any of his deals, but you see stuff online. It's like, Hey, it's a, four or 5% return. Yeah. All right. So we're treasuries, but you know, there's no upside. There's upside, but anyways, yeah. He doesn't yeah, have so, to pay a lot. He do, That's the key, right? The bigger the name, well, that's, that's what I'm saying. The less yeah, he yeah. has to pay. And oh, by yeah. the way, he's got a big team too. That's not those, they're not working for free. There's, there's some commission or salary oh, yeah. and all of that. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, I know uh, some, some people who grew very, very quickly during the bubble have these huge teams, right? Oh. They have a lot of mouths to feed. And you know they just have to keep on churning and churning and churning. Because... Those people are the ones that are in the most trouble, I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you never you... Oh, look. Being in New York, listen. I, you know, being the New York real estate world, right? The old school New York real estate world was like full of these guys worth many hundreds of millions of dollars or billions of dollars who had like two people on their staff. It was like them. And two, yeah. and like and an, and some analysts that they paid like twenty seven thousand dollars a year, right? Right. Like they play with some spreadsheets, yeah. these cheapskates, right? Who like like just kept it all for themselves, right? But they didn't have a huge no, marketing team, yeah, right. And and that, but but a lot of these syndicators, massive marketing teams, and you know, it's and they just had to feed the beast with more fees yeah. and more fees, and and they so they they had to do deals, like they they there was this is the whole like. God, it should have been a rant. rant it should have been rant day. It's rant, it's rant, day. rant. It's rant go, day today. But it's go, just Jonathan. like, it's like, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Um, Like, they, shoot, what was I going to say? They had, to, about, they had to feed the beast. That was the last thing. Feed, oh, said. yeah. They had to feed the beast. Yeah. So this is the thing that was just like uh, infuriating, right? So they've, they, yeah, the yak on all the time about how conservative they are, right? Yeah. But they have one side put, of their mouth. The other side, but, but they've put themselves in the position where they cannot be conservative. They have to do deals. Yeah. You cannot be conservative if you are doing that many deals, right? No, you can't. Conser- if you have and, to make payroll with deals, you are not being conservative. Yeah, like you, you have to. It's just, it's just crazy. They, they were not. Their incentive structure was wrong, right? Where they, they, they could not, not do deals, right? And believe me, I understand. Like you know. It's it's rough right now to be a syndicator. And I'm looking at deals and thinking like I really want to do this deal because I w- want to make some fees, 
but it's like I, I can't invest for that on that basis like i oh. can't i can't like deviate from my discipline because i got to make some money right but but i think a lot of people they they convince themselves that they are being conservative when they really weren't but their their real incentive is like well, we got to get a deal we got to get a deal because we got all these mouths to feed right so yeah. So at the end of the day, kind of takeaway from this, I do think we're going to see the greatest wealth destruction. I think it's going to be on steroids. I think a lot of LPs get hurt. I don't know, given our rough math, that I don't think it's this great cascade across the banking system. There will certainly be some institutions that are over-concentrated in trouble. Uh, but, it, but the LP or the equity is where we're going to lose. There will be great deals on the other side. And then lastly, on the scale of 1 to 10, it's only a 2 or a 3. There's a yeah. lot more to come. It's it's early innings, let's say, if we're going to use a baseball analogy, right? Yeah, this is the third yeah. or maybe fourth inning of this. I think there's a lot. Oh, it's not even. It's it's the yeah. middle of the third. It's not the fourth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Jonathan, you do a lot of amazing stuff. You have a Facebook group. Uh, you have a, a course you're putting out. Where, where can people find you? Yeah, apartment. Sorry, apartmentinvestorsclub.com uh, and Apartment Investors Club on Facebook. And uh, I've been actually, the best place to follow me these days is probably on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, so find me on LinkedIn, Jonathan Twombly, uh, follow me, connect with me and, uh, see what I, what I post there. And actually it's, it might even be better than Facebook because there's just a lot of good conversations going on there these days. So awesome. LinkedIn it is folks yep. again, where there is great destruction, there will also be generational wealth. I want people to hear that again, generational wealth. Yeah. And if you have cash, right, if you weren't part of this or if you got out early or, if, you know, you're just coming to the channel now and you're just getting curious about real estate, do not be discouraged by what you're about to see. You should look at this as opportunity. Right? Absolutely. This is not, you know, it, I, I'm sorry for all the people who got hurt at the top of the market. I mean, really, I know. We these tried to warn you my, repeatedly. <laughs> I mean, some of these people are my friends, right? So. Uh, so I can, it's, I talk about this blithely, but I mean, it, I know there's real pain out there, but yeah. for the people who are, who are not in pain, or maybe they've ha suffered some pain, but they're not, you know, this doesn't damage them. You really should be thinking about the opportunity that's coming because it will be a great opportunity. It will be a, a really, you know, if not once in a lifetime, it's a once in 10 years kind of opportunity. Right? Oh, I, I, and, I will go one further. This, th I think, you know, I think most investing careers are somewhere between 20 and 40 years. This will be the opportunity it, in commercial. This is well going be. to be it. Yeah. There's no yeah. question. You know, the last one was 80, 81, 82. So 40 years ago. So here we go again. That's my well, opinion. I think there was a great opportunity after the financial crisis too. There was, but, but that was more residential. Yeah. It did have some carryover, obviously. This one is not residential. All yeah. commercial. So. Well, if you really, if you've got like serious uh, guts, you know, buy office, right? Because yeah. that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you got some cojones, yeah, you get because one of those deals. There's gonna be some some super bargains coming up in the office. You, oh, you know, so. I I read this the other day. Um, I wish I remembered. So there was an insurance company who owned an office building, I think, in Boston somewhere. Yeah. And they sold, and they didn't own it. They own like 37% of it, which they think is obviously worth nothing. They sold it for a dollar. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah. They sold their position for a dollar to Arbor yeah. or someone. I don't remember who it was, but I was like, oh my God, they sold it for a dollar. What does that tell you? Oh yeah. my God. Oh, it's going to be fun. Well, Jonathan, Ancient you're amazing. Times. We'll talk Thank next you. week. All right. Take care, Michael. See ya. Mm -hmm.